This is Pastor Chadwick King. I hope you enjoy the ministry of God's Holy Word today provided by the Promise Center Media Ministry. Please share this lesson or sermon with your friends and family. And may the Lord bless you. How's it going, everybody? Let's do that again. That was a great announcement. Let's just watch it all over again. You guys doing well? You guys look good. I'm so sorry. I got to apologize. Our services normally don't run over, but they've been running over. And uh, people, I've been speaking, and people are like, keep going. So I just keep preaching. And so five extra, ten minutes, extra minutes, and not really. But um, we, 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 we did start late. I do apologize. I'm going to do my best to make up some time. Kind of like when you're on a flight, and the, the pilot's like, we're going to do our best to make up some time. We're going to fly a little faster. So I'm going to do my best to get you there safely and uh, get, you, get you there on time. Um, Luke 13 and 6 is the, the text we've been going to through this sermon series. We're in a sermon series called Moving Forward. Really focusing in 2017 to move life forward. We've been talking about moving life forward spiritually and creating the habits that create the harvest that we want in our lives, creating the action, um, so the, the spiritual disciplines, et cetera, et cetera. We've had a lot of fun talking about just diving and making this the year. And I really believe that if you make 2017 the best year of your life spiritually, it will be the best year of your life. And we want to partner with you in that. And we got a lot of information online and stuff like that. And you can look up our resources and also the, the lessons for the last two weeks. Today, we're talking about money. Last week, I told you, hey, we'll be talking about money. And so uh, full disclosure, we don't want you to, to think we're going to be doing twists in the arm or anything like that. That's not the purpose of it. Um, but uh, I, I, do want, I did want you to know, and I do want you to know, like, we're going to just talk about it. We're going to unpack it together. It's going to be a little painful at times, and you're going to giggle at times. You're going you're gonna to elbow your spouse at times, and, um, you know, but we're, we're going to have fun, and, and I think it's going to be a very productive day. And then next week, we're going to talk, we're going to talk about moving church forward and kind of cast some vision for the church. And then the following week is going to be, um, the, I believe it's the 12th, uh, February 12th. And then that's the week that we're going to be talking about moving marriage forward. And dudes, guys, you got to bring your wife here to church because uh, it is the Valentine's time. And the best date you can ever take your spouse, uh, the, the, the best place you can take your spouse for a date is to church. Can I get an amen, anybody? All right. Because when, you, when you're praising the Lord, she's like, he's so romantic, you know, just the love of the Lord, okay? So bring her in. We're going to talk about marriage, moving marriage forward. We're going to give you some of the, 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 the secrets uh, and some of the stories, and we'll be disclosing some, some wonderful stories about um, how wonderful of a husband I am. Okay, I'm just kidding. But we're going to give you some tools, some keys, things that we've learned, picked up, things that my wife has taught me, and she has trained me, and I'm now domesticated. I'm very thankful for that. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, Luke 13 and 6, we're going to dive into this. This is our scripture that we've been, kind of our launch pad uh, for this sermon series. Luke 13 and 6, then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. A lot of you maybe are at that place now where you're like, it's January, it's January you know, 2017, it's almost over, and it feels like life has just re been repeating itself, deja vu, haven't gone any further, haven't made any headway, and I feel like life's not moving forward, I'm not producing anything, I'm not feeling fulfilled, and this is what the gardener says, sir, give it one more chance, leave it another year, and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. 
If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. Just give me another year. Give it another chance. Let me give it the attention that it deserves. And I really believe when it comes to any subject of our life that, number one, we've got to give it the attention that it not only needs but deserves. I believe that the things like family, things like your walk with God, your disciplines, your prayer life, um, your finances, these things need your attention, okay? We don't want to go into default mode. We want to give it the proper attention that it deserves, and if you do this, I really believe you're going to see fruit. I really believe that you're going to see um, a blessing and prosperity in your, in your life. Amen? Does that sound good? All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Let your word fall into good ground and bring forth much fruit. We open our hearts to you. Speak to us today in Jesus' name. All right. How many here has ever made a bad decision financially? Got many hands and a giggle. All right, uh, uh, we got we got we got people. We we've all uh, maybe we've not all, but most of us have all made a bad uh, decision financially. I remember my my first car was a really bad uh, decision financially. Um, it, it's in the it's in a class all of its own. It was a it was a, a mighty max. Okay, this is a small little truck, Mitsubishi Mighty Max, and it was blue, but uh, mostly rust color because of the rust, and uh, it was $200, but we had to put a lot of money into it. You thought, this is a great deal, and uh, this is what we call, this classified as a hoopty. Anybody know what a hoopty is? All right, it was just a straight up hoopty, all right, and uh, the seat moved whenever I drove, so if I put the brakes, the seat moved forward and then back, and there was a point where I didn't even have brakes, so I had to use the emergency brake. I drove a car with no brakes, with no foot brake. I used the emergency pull brake for three months and did not have a wreck. It was amazing, all right? And uh, anyways, it was a hoopty, a bad decision. And you look back, you're like, how did I, how did we do that? It was $200, awesome. And then, you know, oh, the transmission, oh, the belt, and no, oh, this. And, and you're dumping money, and, then, and you're like, oh, just wasting money. And then, and then you're like, I'll never do that again. But then you make another bad decision. You're like, how does that keep happening? I believe that today, if you will open your heart to this big idea about finances that, that we can get to the root of some things. Now, notice this man in this parable that Jesus told. He didn't go to the fruit. He went to the root. He, he went below the soil. He went below the... the we're, 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 we're dirt, okay? This body, this, this physiological part of us is dirt. But, but we're not just dirt man. We are also spirit man. He went beyond just the dirt. He went down into the roots to make sure that the roots were well, that it had what it needed, put the fertilizer on it, give it the attention it needed, because it's the roots that will produce good fruit. If the roots are good, the fruit will be good. And so what we've been looking at is our spiritual life. How are we doing spiritually? How are we doing with the internal man? I don't care about your external man. I want to know how your internal man is doing today, because out of that will come all that life, will come the branches and the trunk, and it will come the fruit. So all of that is coming from a source, a seed something deep inside of you. Now, here's what I know and, and here's what I understand. That money in church is like almost like, oh, pastor, don't talk about it because we, we know about money in church. And, and I want to just say this, two things. Number one, we're not twisting your arm today. There's no like, like, like at the end of this, we're going to do a special offering. Pastor wants to buy a, his own jet because he wants to fly around and all that stuff. None of that's going to happen. Um, the other thing I know is that there's, a, there's, a, there's been a lot of abuse, and I, I get that. And, the, and the, there's a lot of abuse 
all over the world in all kind of different capacities, okay? And, and, and so I want to be sensitive to that. I know that, that a lot of people, when they think of Christianity, they think of uh, televangelists, you know, asking for money, send, send us $100 and you get $1,000 in the mail or give us $1,000, a seed of $1,000, we'll get you $10,000, all right? And uh, you can get that and, and, and that really has turned people off and, and, and it's kind of put a stigma. And I, I apologize on behalf of that. We don't do, that's not our method. We want to stay biblical. We don't want to... Um, um, get 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 the, the the itch of your consumerism and try to try to use greed as a motivation for you to give. If you will give, then you can get more and feed your greed. That's not the purpose at all. In fact, I heard a story. Um, joke uh, years ago of, of, a, of a Jewish uh, rabbi who goes to get a haircut. He gets a haircut, um, turns out really good. He goes to pay. The barber says, can't charge you. He goes, why not? He goes, because you're a man of God. He goes, wow, well, thank you. A couple days later, in the mail, the, the Jewish rabbi sent the barber a box of rye bread and a thank you note for the free haircut. Weeks later, a uh, Catholic priest goes to get a haircut, gets a haircut, goes to pay. The man says, I can't charge you. Why not? Because you're a man of God. Wow, thank you very much. A couple of days later in the mail, sent him a, a box with, a, with wine and a thank you note for the free haircut. A couple weeks later, a TV evangelist goes to get a haircut, gets a wonderful haircut, and uh, uh, on his way out to pay, the man says, I can't charge you. He goes, why not? He goes, because you're a man of God. A couple of days later, 50 TV evangelists came to get a haircut. <laughs> That'll sink in later. Uh, that'll sink in later. All right. So I... I, I understand the abuse. I understand that this is, it's like, oh, okay, here we go. Here's what I want to do. I want you to find freedom in finances. Like, the best life that you can enjoy is freedom in your finances. And I'm going to give you some keys here in just a moment that I really believe that the Lord wants to get deep into your heart and your soul. And, and then something that over the next Several months we can work out, okay? You can work out. We have small groups. We have uh, people who can help you with training. You can ask questions. We, just help us. Let us know what the need is, and we will walk that out with you, all right? 1 Timothy 6 and 10. 1 Timothy 6 and 10 says this. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, let, let me just say this. Money is not the root. It's the love. It's the attraction. It's wanting what you don't have. What, what, what hasn't been graced to you in this season, okay? Now, we can purpose and say, hey, we want another season. We want to start investing now. We want to make a difference now to, to see a harvest, whatever, whatever. We can start investing in our education, investing in finances, whatever. But, but today, if, if, if I start looking outside of what is provided, what's in my hand, then that love, that pull, okay, obsession for possessions, all of a sudden becomes the root of all kinds of evil. In fact, when you look at the first sin in the Bible, uh, Eve, she has, you know, every tree she can eat. The, the pecans on the pecan tree, the peach, peaches on the on peach tree, um, apples on the apple tree. But, but God says, this one's mine, and I don't want you to touch it. And what does she focus on? She focused on the one she could not have. And she reached out of her grace and took what was not hers. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Now, let me just kind of give you a context here. I think we all can agree that we have a money problem in America. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah. $20 trillion in debt. Okay. 
that's a lot of, I don't even know, like, what's next, what's after a trillion, you know? Like, I'm like, Jude, how much do you love me? And Jude's like, I love you a million, billion, trillion. He gets that one right. Zillion, gillion, frillion. I'm like, keep going. I don't know. I just know that I think a frillion comes after trillion. I don't know what 20 trillion, you know, I can't even get my mind around that, right? But we, we, have, a, we have a problem. Why? Because our, our whole culture is based on consume, consume, consume. We represent 5% of America, North America, the United States of America, represents 5% of the world's population, and we consume over 25% of energy and goods. And we throw away every year more than some countries even consume, okay? We are consuming at this crazy rate. Here, here's another one that's going to blow your mind. One out of three people right now are in trouble with debt. I mean, not having debt, but in trouble with debt. This is an epidemic. Why? Because we're buying. We've got to have. Well, we've got to get this because today's the day, and they have a sale. And if I don't get it today, I may never get it. <laughs> Buy one, get one free. This is your time. Only 15 left. And you're, ah, and the urgency. You're not making good decisions. You're in the urgent reaching. And then here's what happens. The statistics are this, is that for the, the average in America, for every, in households, for every dollar that is earned, we're spending $1.26. We're spending, for every dollar earned, 26% more than what we're earning. We're living life on credit. This is a big issue. People are strapped. People can't do what they have been called to do. They can't go on the mission trip because they got debt. They got to get the third job because they've got to take care. And so this is a huge issue with God's plan for your life. And that's why we're slowing it down and we're talking about it. 88% of people who are, quote-unquote, in poverty in America believe that their retirement will come from winning the lottery. That's a problem. The prodigal son, this is exactly his issue. He said, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And he wanted his inheritance, and he ended up squandering it and losing it all. And, 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 and life just fell apart because he had this give me mentality. Now, some people say, okay, here's the issue, Pastor. I'm poor, and I'm Fine with saying that. I'm poor, and I don't, I don't have any money, so I can't be a saver. I'm going to be in debt, and I can't be a giver. Okay. Well, let's put it in perspective. Number one, uh, if you have assets of $2,200, okay, $2,200, maybe that's you have a, a, a nice mountain bike, or maybe you have um, some nice shoes, some Jordans. Come on. You got some nice twenty-two. You could just bust up $2,200 worth of assets, whatever they are. Mountain, you know, the bike or this or the car. I just got a Pinto. I just got a $2,000 car. Okay, you got $2,200 you can come up. You're in the top 50% of wealth in the world. If you make $25,000 your household annually, you're in the top 10%. If your household makes $50,000 a year annually, you're in the top 1% of the entire world. 2.8% billion people in this world only make $2 a day in their household, okay? We have a lot, and we've made a lot of excuses. Luke 12 and 15 says this, then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Your identity and how special you are to God is not defined by how much money you have or not have or assets you have or not have. Today in America, we have more shopping malls than we do high schools. 
This world is postured and our society and our country is postured toward spending and buying. James Patterson, he wrote a book, The Day America Told the Truth. He did a survey all across America, and he, he asked people, what would you do for $10 million? What would you do for $10 million? 25% said they would abandon their family for $10 million. They would abandon their family. Wow. I heard a story of a lady who won the lottery, and she calls her husband. She goes, honey, pack your bags. I won the lottery. He's like, Awesome. Where are we going? Cold weather, hot weather? He goes, she said, I don't care what you pack. Just make sure you're out when I get home. Okay? So 16% would give up their citizenship, American citizenship. Um, 10% would let a murder go free if they were on the jury. Uh, 7% would kill a stranger for $10 million. And 3% would put their children up for adoption for $10 million. <laughs> okay? Yeah, I know. It's crazy. So here's what we have. We, we're, we're, we're in a culture now where when you pay something off, you've already used it and it's already gone. By the time you pay it off, you've already, it's already gone. Remember back in the day, layaway? That was just like a great idea. I remember buying something from Target on layaway. I want that game. Mom, can I borrow? Nope. I only have $10. It's $30. Do layaway. One month. Next month. And I was like, huh? And we used to pay things off and get something new. Now we pay it off and it's already gone. We're paying back debt. We're paying. We are slaves to the debtor. And we weren't called to that. We were called to be the lender, not in debt. We were called to possess the land. Come on, somebody. We were called to overcome, to lead, to walk in blessing, to walk in favor. Amen. So Matthew 6 and 19 says this. I'm going, to, I'm going to talk about three things today, three points that we've got to get. We've got to get this right, okay? Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and dust, a rust doth corrupt, like the mighty max, okay? Where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart, everybody say heart, be also. My first point we're going to talk about in just a minute is the heart. So we're going to do it. He starts with the heart. He starts, this is what Jesus starts with, with the heart. Now, before we move on in this text, I want you to, to see something. Basically, Jesus just said, you can't take anything with you, but you can send it ahead. You can't take anything with you to heaven, but you can send it ahead. Every, he, Jesus said, everything you do in my name, you give a cup of water to someone in my name, you will not lose your reward. You can send it ahead. You just can't take it with you, okay? So the first thing he deals with is the heart. The second thing he's going to deal with in the next verse is the eyes. Everybody say the eyes. The light of the body is the eye. Now, I know this has been a verse that maybe you've heard taught before, but can I tell you, probably been out of context because this is sandwiched in a talk about money, okay? If therefore the eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. If the eye is focused, if your, your vision, your, your purpose is focused with finances, and, and, and you've got the right reasons, the right values, it's, the whole thing is going to work. But if your eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness, and therefore the light that is uh, in the be darkness, how great is that darkness? Okay, that's two. 
The heart, the eye, and then we're going to talk about this next subject. No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate one, love the other, or he will hold to one, despise the other. Watch this. You cannot serve God and mammon. Someone said, I don't want to serve a mammoth. Not a mammoth. A mammon, okay? This is a transliteration of a word that they didn't have in English, so they pulled it over from the Greek. It just it means worldly goods or worldly assets, okay? So it's, it's, it, it, the, the best way to say it is not money. Uh, a lot of versions of the scripture say money, but as a transliteration, King James, New King James, pulled the word over, and just, it's mammon. It means earthly or worldly goods or money, okay? And we'll get to what that means and why that's important in just a moment. We're talking about the heart, we're going to talk about the eyes, and we're going to talk about mammon, how to deal with, and how to, what kind of relationship we're supposed to have with money. Let's start with the heart. Everybody say the heart. We have a possession obsession. Just be honest. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm confessing. I've got, I, 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 like, I like to order that thing on Amazon. I like when it comes. They ring the doorbell, and they're like, here's your package. Oh, wonderful. Hallelujah. We, we have a, we're, that's the world we live in. Let me just tell you this. Money is a wonderful servant when it's working for you. It is a terrible master when you're working for it. This is important to understand. Too many Christians are enslaved to the dollar because they haven't been baptized with Jesus' plan for their life. And it starts with the heart. And you know what Jesus said? If you're going to start this, it's got to start with the heart. You can't serve two masters. You, you can't serve. He, he didn't say can't serve God or the devil. The, 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 the one that is the, 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 the number one uh, chief competitor for your affection is not the devil. It's not Satan. It's stuff. Okay? You can't serve God and be passionate about things and stuff. Money does not make you happy. Okay? Money will not bring joy. Okay? You can have joy and have money. You can not have money and still have joy. But money in and of itself does not bring joy into your life. Don't, don't buy into the lie that if I just have more, if I get more, if I can catch up with the Joneses, I'll be happy. If that is your motivation for stuff, I'm just telling you, you'll never have enough. You will never, ever, ever, ever be happy. Ecclesiastes 5 and 10 says this, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. What is the best prescription of wealth and best description of wealth? Well, Paul wrote to Timothy and he said something really important. 1 Timothy 6 and 6. True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. To be able to realize right where I am with what I have, I'm blessed and I can be a blessing. Well, one day, it's always another day, right? One day when we this, one day when we that. There's no better opportunity to apply God's principles into your world and get the right relationship with finances than right now. And when you become content with what you have, and you realize, I've been graced with what I have. In fact, when they came to John the Baptist, the, the, the Roman centurions, they said, what do we do to repent? You know what John told the Roman centurions? Be thankful and content with your wages. You just, your repentance, your repentance, not everybody's the same. Your repentance, you, you, you need to stop taking money. You need to be content. Watch what, watch what Paul said, Philippians 4 and 11. 
Now that I speak in regard to need, for I, ne- I have learned in whatever state I am to be, everybody say content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both abound and suffer. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We quote that, I can do all things you know, through Christ who strengthens me. And a lot of times out of context, what he's talking about is, hey, no matter what I'm going through, my lack or abundance, the days of more than enough or the days of not enough, doesn't matter. No matter what, I can be content and say, you know what? God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. It doesn't matter how much is in the bank or if the car is shaking or whatever. I'm going to tell you, you've got to settle it. I can find joy today in the Lord. Okay? I'm not putting off, well, one day, one day. Okay? The second part of, of the heart dilemma is the gospel. Going back to the gospel and giving. I'm going to explain what that means in just a moment. I want you to see this, this verse. It's, it's really powerful. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 3, and then 7 through 9. This is Paul writing to the, the Corinthian church. Watch what he says. Now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. They did it of their own free will, since you excel in so many ways in your faith, gift in speaking, uh, knowledge, enthusiasm, and your love for us. I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I am not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Now, this is why this this scripture is so important. I'm going to tell you why right now. Because Paul brings it back to the gospel. The gospel is the measuring stick and the standard and the answer for every freedom you need to find. Let me me explain. Okay, what is the gospel? Well, I'm going to give you my terminology, and then I'll give you, I'll give you what, the, what the original Greek and Latin means. The gospel is the science of the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, what he did, the atonement, what it meant, what it meant in heaven, what it meant in hell, uh, God sending his only begotten son, and what that means, him, his body being on a cross, torn, forgiving the world, all that took place, that moment that changed everything, the, the death, burial, resurrection changed everything. Nothing was the same after that moment spiritually. Okay, that's the gospel. Some people have this idea that, well, the, the gospel is the ABCs of, of Christianity, but, but you need to graduate from that. Okay, and, and really, uh, as Tim Keller says, the gospel is the A to Z of Christianity, and we don't graduate from it. It's not like, oh, now, now, we are, now we're believers, so now we'll go to studying the Bible. The Bible is all about the gospel. It points to the gospel. It's all about what Christ did. In the Old Testament, New Testament, all pointing to this moment, this event that changed the world forever. This is so, so vital and important. So let me just say this. The gospel is not just important for us to become a Christian. It's also important for us to be Christians. For instance, when, when they asked Paul, Paul, how do we become, how do we become 
great husbands and have a great marriage. You know what he said? Men, husbands, you ought to love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. The gospel. Marriage. Uh, uh, Paul, I need some help with my thinking. I've got some stinking thinking, some mind monsters going on in my brain. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, well, Christ, though he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, uh, made himself of no reputation, humbled himself, humbled his mind, became a servant, and went to the death of the cross. That's the answer. Uh, Paul, um, having a hard time in this situation, how do I persevere the same way Christ did for the joy that was set before him, knowing there was a reward, pushing on, pressing on, knowing that God is faithful? Uh, I have a coworker that's a dingbat. How do I deal with him? Well, the same way Jesus did on a cross goes, forgive them for they don't know what they do. The gospel, the gospel, the gospel. You don't graduate from the gospel. The gospel's the remedy. The gospel's the answer. The gospel's the way, okay? And, and, and so what we got to understand is this, is that Paul is dealing with a, with a charity thing, and, and, and Paul's saying this. It's not that I want you to be generous. It's not like be generous today. It's are you generous? I want to get to the heart of it. Is generosity in your heart? Well, be, today I was generous and today I was stingy. No, no. He, we, we need to exemplify the heart of the Lord. He became poor so we could become rich. That we could have access to all the benefits of heaven. That's a big idea, and that's a hard one to swallow. But I want to tell you, the gospel remedies every area of your life. You can find freedom in every area through the gospel of Jesus. Can I get a big amen for that, a big hand clap? I just, man, I almost want to, like, stop and stomp and preach a little bit right there. That, that was, just felt good. All right? Okay. The, the second part is our eyes. Everybody say the eye. Okay, th this is important because, because, number one, with the eye, we got to have a vision for our life. A lot of people are, are, are living, they're not living on purpose. They're not living intentional lives. It's just whatever comes, whatever goes, yeah, whatever, whatever comes into the account, whatever's happening, no vision. Let me just tell you, God wants to bring wealth and blessing. Deuteronomy 8 and 18 says this, well, think again. Remember that God, your God, gave you the strength to produce all this wealth so you can confirm the covenant that he promised to your ancestors. And let me give you two doctrines, two, two, two ditches on each side of the truth. One ditch is, well, God just wants me to be poor and, and be in the line and beg and eat old bread and, and just woe is me and always needy and always begging. And then there's the other side where God wants me to have the abundance, have a grill and have a plane and uh, have a train and automobile and planes, trains and automobiles. Wow, that just came back to me. Wow. Uh, back in the day. All right. And, and have all this stuff and and, 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 and which is feeding greed, and this over here, the lowly, that's feeding pride, all the rich people are evil, people with money are just, they're bad, pride, and then greed over here, and, and, and the wealth of the Lord, the Bible says in, in, in uh, Proverbs 10 and 22, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow. So here's what God told Abraham, I'm going to bless you. But not so you can get your, your camel upgraded in the, in the desert. Go from one, one of those one-hump camels to a three-hump with, with, with like the speakers and the hydraulics. Okay? He, he says, I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing. 
I want your life to be posture where you understand when you create margin, when you manage money, when you manage the resources I put in your hand, you're going to be able to do and go and, and access things that others can't. When that missionary comes through and your heart is moved, you're not going to go, wish I could, but I can't. You're going to go, you know what? Create a margin in my life. Let's finish that building project. When there's, a mission, when there's a mission, you go, man, I wish I could take two weeks off and, oh, man, go, go make a difference. You're going to be able to. Why? Because you've postured your life to do it. It's part of my vision. No, people say, I just can't. I'm too poor. I don't have the money. No, what you should say is I haven't, I haven't appropriated my life according to the vision that God's put in my heart. When you have a vision for wealth, and I'm not talking about money like, like, like money, money, money. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the wealth is having the margin to do well and be a blessing. I want to help this single mother for a couple. She's had tragedy. I want to help her for, for, for six, six months with her rent. I want to be a blessing over here. I want, to, I, want to, I want to get some chairs for the new building. I want to help in some ways or whatever it is. You have to posture your life to be a blessing. Does that make sense? He said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing, and you're going to, all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. That's a big promise. And he says, that's yours. That's your promise, folks. What would it be like? Imagine if every Christian in America today, when every dollar came into their hand, did not have an obligation to the past, but an had an opportunity to go into the future for vision and purpose. The money that comes into our hands. There's, a, there's people in our church, it's pretty cool, like, like you never know it because they drive up in their hoopty and their car's shaking like this. But man, they've postured life so cool. I love it. They live on 20, 30%, 40% of their income so they can bless, so they can go when they need to go and, and, and minister when they need to minister. They've postured their life around the gospel. They've created a margin. They've said no to things now so they could say yes to things that were more important. They postured their life accordingly. So you need a plan. Everybody say a plan. Yeah. See, when you don't have a plan, you fall prey to urgent. Things are urgent. Buy this product now. You cannot afford to not have it. Buy one, get one free. Your mama needs it. Your grandma needs it. Everybody needs it. But hold on. If you're the first 10 callers, you're going to get the babble dabble And you're like, yeah, I got to get that, you know. And so... You got to have a plan. Everybody say a plan. You got to have a plan. And again, if you don't master money, money will master you. And I'm telling you, money is a mean master. It's a mean master. Okay? So you got to have a plan. That plan means I'm going to assign and designate and create a destination for every dollar that comes into my hand. Every dollar. I know where it's going. At the end of the month, there's a zero balance. Everything has gone where it needed to go. Zig Ziglar says this, if you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. John Maxwell said, a budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. Even with giving, watch this. 2 Corinthians 9 and 7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know what this says? It says... Pastor's not going to come one day and say, hey, guys, we need money right now. Like if we don't get your money right now, uh, uh, if I do that, you can remind me of this sermon, and you can remind me of that scripture right there. God wants you to plan your generosity. He wants you to scheme, hey, we can cut this area, and we can be a blessing right here. 
not compulsion, but planning your life around receiving blessing and giving blessing. Is this okay? All right. I, heard, I thought I heard a cricket in the back going, hurry, get done. Okay. Don't just make money, make your money work. Don't just work for money, make your money work. Interesting study, 1972, Stanford University psychologist Walter uh, Michelle did this one interesting, crazy study. I, I love social sciences. This is one of my favorite studies, most interesting to me, is the one with the, mar it's called the marshmallow study. And here's what they did. They got four-year-olds and five-year-olds, and they set them in a room, and they put a marshmallow right in front of them. And he said this. He said, hey, this is your marshmallow. You can have it now, or if you, don't, if you wait, I'm going to come back in 10 minutes. I'll give you another one. If you don't eat this one right now, you'll have two. And so they had a group of kids that sat there and looked at it and go, uh, some of the kids, they had it on video. Some of the kids were like, uh, you know, <laughs> no one's looking. But they had, they, they broke it into two groups, the group that, the, the kids that ate it and the kids that did not eat it, okay? 1972, 30 years later, didn't touch, didn't talk to them. 30 years later, follow up, where are you doing? How's it going? What's happening in your life? Here's what they found. The kids that did not defer gratification, the ones that consumed, they were the ones that did not graduate statistically. Some of them did, not all of them. They did not go to college. Some of them had many relationships, many divorces, so on and so on, and many of them were in prison. They were blown away by this study. The ones that deferred gratification said, I'll wait now because I want, there's better ahead. Those are the ones that had the better jobs, made more money, um, statistically better in the marriage with, not meaning their marriage was good, but they were at least in the same marriage, whatever, whatever. And they broke it down that way, and they said, it is mind-blowing, the disparity between the two. Based on one proclivity, the ability to say no to now. The ability to say no now for what we want more. So you're going to pay at some point. You're going to pay now, or you're going to pay later. If you pay now, you get to play later. If you play now, you pay later, and you'll pay more later. And so some people, it's just play, 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 and they're not getting serious about a plan. And if you're married, you got to do it together. you got to put that plan together. Okay, honey, we're cutting back on shoes. Did I just say that? I just feel like the, feel like the, the enemy just... That just came out. I didn't even, that's not in my notes. We're going to cut, we're going to cut down. We're going to cut down. We're going to cut down over here. What, what an interesting story. Um, in, in 1999, they sent up a satellite, and it was a $165 million satellite. NASA, Lockheed Martin came together and built it together. It went up into orbit, and then it spun out and gone. $165 million gone based on one error nasa made it with the english metrics and and uh the the uh lockheed martin made it with the metric system so inches versus centimeters and it didn't compute they weren't on the same page that one error threw the whole thing in orbit i'm going to just say if you're not on the same page it can throw you in orbit can i get an amen from anybody in the house you, this, is, this is vision, this is sight, this is God's plan for our life. We're going to say no to some things today so we can say yes to some things tomorrow. One other factor that I want to bring 
um, before I use this, and we'll move on to the mammon. Okay? We've talked about heart. We've talked about vision. Okay? One last thing is this. There's a statistic that blew my mind when I read it. In your lifetime, your lifetime income will be within 10% of the 10 people you hang out with the most. That's an interesting quote. That's an interesting statistic. Wow. Which tells me I've got to get around some people who have found victory and freedom in finances. Let me just say, if you're not in a small group, a financial small group, so I don't want people to think I'm broke. Well, I'd rather people think you're broke and you not be broke, okay, than to be broke and people think you're not broke. Get into a group. Find freedom. This is an area that you've got to be intentional about. Let's give it the attention it needs and the attention it deserves. Can I get a strong amen from everybody? Yeah. All right. Okay. We're coming to a close. We're going to start descending. Wheels are coming down, and we're going to approach very, very soon. I want to give you two things. Mammon, I'm going to give you two principles that are vital, two vital principles. These are spiritual. Money is a spiritual thing. Money in and of itself is not spiritual. It, it, it's amoral, but it is something that has huge uh, spiritual dividends and repercussions if done wrong, okay? Uh, the, the, the idea of mammon is earthly wealth, um, earthly worldly money. Um, I'm going to tell you a quick story. My, my daughter was in my office a couple years ago, and she was, uh, I'm going to tell on you, Donna, right here. Um, she, was, she was in my office, and she found a coin. There was a, a gentleman in the church who had 10 years clean with A-A-N-A, and they gave him a little coin, okay? He put it on my desk because he wanted me to celebrate with him, put it on my desk. And so my daughter comes in my office, as she usually does. She, she looks at it, she's like, wow. And everything to her was, at that point, like pirate money, okay? She's wow, this is amazing. And so she, she looks at it. And she asks Donna, who's walking by, what is, what is this? And Donna explains to my, at the time, five-year-old, six-year-old, that it was um, someone getting off of drugs. Well, all she heard was drugs and money. So she went out to the church and began to tell people, my dad in his office has drug money. Okay? This one was very hard to get out of. No, no, no. This is it right here. The magic coin. Okay. So, not all money is made equal. But this idea of mammon is, is, a, is a big one that Jesus proposes because it's not money. He, he, he uses the term worldly, earthly money. Now, in Malachi, you've heard this before. Whenever God is talking to Israel, he says, look, um, You've robbed me. And they said, well, how have we robbed you? He goes, with tithes and offerings. What? He says, he says you've done this and you're cursed with the curse. And now, so what we see is God going, I'm going to curse you. You didn't give your tithes. That's not what it means. It means you're cursed with the curse. There's a curse on this earth. When Adam and Eve sinned, everything stopped producing in its fullness. Did you know that? There was one day when everything Adam touched turned to gold. Wow. And then one day, because of sin, the Bible says your curse is you're going to work hard and it's not going to ever produce in what it could have produced. There's a curse. But then the Lord gives us this cool remedy. He says, you give me the first, I'll redeem the rest. I will, I will take the, the, the scent of the world. I'll, I will take the residue 
of that spirit, and I will break it when you tithe and you give the first. Look at this scripture, Proverbs 3 and 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first, first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled, overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Who wants their vats to brim over? I don't even know what that is, but sign me up for vats. When I first read it, I was like, how did the Bible know? <laughs> vats, okay. God, God wants your first. Because he's saying, look, he's like, 90 blessed is better than 100 not. See, the way we break the spirit of poverty is very simple. Remember the 5,000 that Jesus fed? Not including the women and children? I love food miracles, especially when we're on a fast. Let's talk about it. All right, I'm coming to a close here. And, and there's a little kid who has five loaves, two fish, 12 disciples, 5,000 men, not including women and children. I'd say the numbers are pretty bad. Uh, we don't have enough. Yeah, that's fine. We're going to do this. We're going to bless it, and then we're going to break it. I'm going to put my blessing on it, and I'm going to put it in your hands. So he puts it in their hands. So you take five loaves, two fish, and you break that into 12. That's not a lot. Okay, the two fish. Now you have one-sixth of a fish in each hand, and whatever the math is on breaking the five into, into 12, okay, so let's just say a half a piece of bread or a little bit less than half. And now you look at all the people and you go, God, that, that ain't enough. I've been under-resourced. He goes, no, you have everything you need right there. And so here's the option. We either consume it and go, oh, I've got to hold on to this because that's not enough. And if I give, then, then what's going to happen with, I won't have enough. And the first guy's like, let's try this. He gives, and he's like, hey, there's more. He goes, oh, it keeps going until all 5,000 men and women and children have enough. They're all full, and there's leftovers. The spirit of poverty consumes and holds on, but generosity breaks the back of the spirit of poverty. The harder you hold on, I'm going to tell you, you're going to go in the same circle over and over and over. And you're going to be calling us once a year going, I need help with the PG&E and I need help with this over here. And please, and look, we're, we, I'm not, you know, disparaging that. What I'm saying is this, is like, do you want a handout or do you want a hand up? Okay, you can have freedom in your finances if you will trust God and honor him with them. You were not made to have wealth, to squander it and consume it. You were made to be a blessing. People going, where, where did that come from? Not, not, not putting your name on the board. Not people going, I gave $5 to that little kid. Yeah, but you made him clean your car. Oh, yeah. But to scheme, to bless. I'm telling you, God is scheming to bless you. And he's scheming, he, he's scheming for you to get the heart of the schemer to be a blessing. To have a heart that says, you know what, let's go, let's do more than enough. So he says this in Malachi, Malachi 3 and 8. Well, a man robbed God, you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, you're cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes in the stores that you may have food. In my God wants his house to be abundant. 
Try me now in this. This is the only place in the Bible where God's like, try it. Try it. I'm putting my guarantee on it. Let me say this. In the Connect card, in the seat pocket in front of you, you can grab it out. You can wave it. You can fan yourself if you're hot, okay? It's right there. But you're going to see some next steps. All this is about next steps. This year is about helping people take their next step. The first next step is... I'm making a decision to follow Jesus. We want you to check that off. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to walk that out with you. You made a decision to get baptized, check that box as the next step. And there's also a next step check box for 90-day tithe challenge. What this means is this. You don't have to do this alone. People step into it, and it's all very, like, trepidatious at the beginning. I was, I get it, like, what? And then when I was, like, started tithing when I was 17, 16, 17, the Lord told me to double it. I was like, what, what, what? What? And literally for seven years, I got married and my wife was like, you, you do what? That's not a tithe, that's a twithe. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is what the Lord put on my heart. So the Lord lifts it, this is what we're doing. She's like, but we're so poor. I said, not forever. We're, we're going to obey God. I'm going to tell you, it's hard and, and, and it's scary and, and I'm going to tell you, in 90 days, we're going to see God do some things that, like, only you would be able to recognize, like, oh, my. Because he says right here, if you do this, I will, I will, you won't have room enough. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. I, I, he won't destroy your fruit or your vineyards anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover your stuff. I, I'm taking all that curse off, and I'm going to cover. I'm going to be a protection over your stuff. I'm going to tell you, church, if, if you'll embrace this idea, it's got to start with the heart. You've got to have a vision for blessing and wealth, and then you've got to be able to trust God and say, God, I trust you in this area. It'll change your life forever. Would you stand with me? Because we've gone long, because we have, this day's run long, I do apologize. We're not going to have the worship team come back up, but we are going to bow our heads. We're going to say a prayer. I want this word to get deep into our heart. Next, next week, we're going we're gonna to re-gear, and we're going to be talking next week about moving church forward, vision casting, and then the following week, moving marriage forward. I want you to come back, be with us. We're going to have a great an amazing service. We also have baptism. We're going to be baptizing some people. If you have in your heart, you're saying, man, God's been moving on me. I want, I want to get baptized. I want to bury the old person. I want to say goodbye to the old and say hello to the new. I want to just encourage you, amen, to do that. Don't hold back. Don't be afraid. What will my hair look like when it comes out of the water? It's going to be amazing. <laughs> All right? <laughs> It's going to be amazing. God is good. We're going to be baptized in all four services, hopefully. It depends how it all falls. Some people have friends and family coming to the first ones or the last ones, so we, we never know. But we will try to do an announcement uh, sooner than later to let you know what, um, how many baptisms in each service. So we love you guys so much. Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We, we want to we move finances forward. We want to we move ministry forward. We want to uh, have faith to, to trust you in this area. Lord. We want to give the proper attention, Lord, to this, this thing that you've called us to steward. We want to be good stewards, Lord, of all that you've placed in our trust and placed in our hand. We give you the honor. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Come on, let's clap our hands to the Lord.